That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. We're coming to you on uh, day three, which is the last day for me at, uh, out in San Diego at the Innovations and Recovery Conference. As you can tell, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Lots of talking going on, uh, meeting lots of good people, putting out some good content. So I hope you guys are all enjoying that out there. Um, this is going to be the last podcast we do with this session in this year, uh, and we're talking with Darren Littlejohn. Uh, it's really been a, a pleasure to meet him. I actually just got out of uh, the workshop that he put on, uh, so we're going to chat a little bit. Darren is a best-selling author. He's a retreat leader, certified yoga teacher, um, also a recovering addict and a practitioner of Zen and the Tibetan Buddhism, uh, as well as a former mental health specialist. Um, he created a new program called Compassionate Recovery, a universal, inclusive, trauma-informed approach to healing from attachments and addictions. Uh, so we're going to talk to Darren in just a minute, be, uh, but first, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy, and uh, on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Uh, and then finding the right treatment op- uh, option for addiction and mental health illness uh, can be tough sometimes, and that's why we've continued to partner with Foundation's Recovery Network. Uh, they stay true to their mission, they hold high ethical standards, and provide treatment in nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. Uh, so if you're a loved one needs help, you can go to foundations.com slash sober guy, or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. And you can talk with an admissions coordinator uh, about your treatment options. Uh, Darren Littlejohn, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. We met yesterday. I think Jordan introduced us in the hall, and I'm glad that uh, we got a chance to hang out a little bit, and I got to sit through the workshop. We got some good meditation sessions in, and I think I got two out of the four because I had to step out for a minute. Uh, but thank you, man, and welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's been a really, really nice meeting you. I uh, yeah. did a podcast with the other guy down the hall, and I thought, yes. wait a second, I've ever say hello to this guy, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, Recovery Unscripted, that's Foundation's uh, podcast, and David, he does a great job over there, too. Yeah, it was good. I'm doing a webinar for them, too, uh, nice. coming up. It's going to be on their website. So, yeah, awesome. I'm happy to be here at the conference. I love being around all these treatment people. and Yeah, good good times. There's some good people, for sure. Um, one of the things I, I want to mention, and, and I, I love when these things kind of happen in the moment like this, is... We're going to talk a little bit about meditation, about mindfulness, um, um, and, and hopefully some yoga too. I know you're, you've been a yoga instructor for yep. a long, long time. Um, a good friend of ours, Kim Huerta, recently passed away, and, and she's a she's a really important to us and our family. Um, she's one of my, one of my best buddies who I got sober with shortly. Well, he got sober before me, um, and I followed uh, followed that path a couple years later. Uh, my buddy Seth, he's been involved in the podcast a lot. Uh, but uh, I just kind of wanted to, to, to mention that and dedicate this episode to her in, in light of uh, mindfulness, yoga. She was just an amazing lady, and uh, she really took to heart that connection, that spiritual connection, and, and, and she was all about love and giving back and serving others. So I just kind of wanted to honor her real quick, and I, uh, I appreciate you coming on today, and we'll, we'll jump right in. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess we can start with... Um, a little bit about your background, Darren. Let's let's uh, let's let people know out there. Um, you know, you're in recovery. I know you've written a number of books. Uh, one of them, um, uh, the Twelve Step Buddha, enhanced recovery from any addiction. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Well, I um, came from Chicago and have been in kind of a in California most of my life. And uh, around uh, seventh grade or so, I discovered. 
uh, marijuana from my uh, next door neighbor who happened to be growing it. And, um, you know, I had that moment of clarity or moment of addiction and being totally hooked uh, from that moment. So yeah. I became a full-time drug addict after seventh grade. That's the last grade I completed. And uh, until I got sober at age 22 and went to college. So I got sober in the, in the mid-80s in uh, San Jose, California. The Saturday Night Live group, which was a super popping, like really big young people's group at the time before yeah. young people's was a thing. And I was in that for uh, uh, a few years before moving to Southern California. So I basically went to college at Cal State Long Beach and uh, got a degree in psychology and went to grad school there for uh, research psychology. Got it. Um, they had about 10 years sober and relapsed. And I never did figure out what happened. And, uh, and then I, I came back. I said I'd never come back. Um, but I wound up accidentally showing up into a, a, another young people's group in Santa Cruz, where um, at the time, Noel Levine was, he had gotten sober there. And he was my sponsor at the time. And I just kind of went in and sort of fell back into getting sober again and yeah. doing more uh, Buddhist uh, meditation practice at that time. That was December 97, so I've been sober since then. Awesome. I wrote, um, wrote the 12-step Buddhist to try to understand how Buddhism connected with uh, the principles of the 12 steps of recovery. And, you know, that was kind of a, a way of being stay, staying in your NA or AA type program without having to you know, go to another program, yeah. but to be able to be Buddhist within that program. So I basically extracted the principles of the 12 steps. We say practice those principles in all our affairs. Sure. What are the principles? What are those principles that are common to Buddhism? How do we practice meditation stuff around those? So that book came out in 2009. Um, it was a bestseller, it's been going strong. It changed a lot of people's lives, so they tell me. Um, so my publisher agreed to do a uh, update update edition uh, 10 Recently. years later yeah yeah i just turned yeah. it in the other day nice man. and uh, that'll be That's out cool. in the fall hey you said you updated some of uh, your bio and kind of where you're at now so like it what happened update to what happened in my personal life yeah. you know which uh, led me to my knees at 17 years sobriety you well, know. and you, you mentioned a minute ago, too, you said you didn't think you were coming back. Did you mean that, like, you, you, you relapsed and you thought, like, I'm not going back into recovery. That's yeah. it. I'm kind of done with yeah. that. Wow. This is my life. Like, I'm an addict. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is what I do. This so is you, who I am. So you took acceptance in that but kept going, like, in that Well, yeah, and it was kind of like I just am more like a resignation. Yeah. It's kind of like a learned helplessness. It's kind of like yeah. I'm a down dog, you know. Yeah. This is it. This, this is, is what me. you get. I tried the other stuff. didn't work. Wow. I tried to go to college, and I tried to this and that and be a yeah. better person but i'm a piece of shit yeah that's wow. i don't know if you can cuss on your show oh, absolutely bro yeah yeah <laughs> but, please but yeah. you know that's what i that's what i felt about myself what i didn't realize then which i've just come to understand really in the past few years is the trauma and what plays a part in relapse yeah. and how unaddressed trauma really led me to really not being comfortable in my own skin to the point where i was what we say in AA, um, we want to bl uh, blot out the intolerable consciousness of our reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you get sober again, and it's like, oh, like my skin is crawling. Like, what yeah. am I going to do? And I have to feel shit. Yeah. Feeling, <laughs> feelings are, yeah. So, yeah, the relapse, uh, I wasn't really happy with myself until I got to be around 10 years sober again. I got my 10 years back. 
you know, super involved in AA and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, I've been doing AA since 1984. I had like 24 months off, you know, in the middle there when I was kind of in and out for a bit. Yeah. And um, I just always felt like there was some stuff missing from there that I needed to try to understand and bring in. And I'm a seeker. Yeah. You know, I mean, I got into yoga. I walked into my first yoga class and it was like a bunch of half naked people, super hot girls sweaty couldn't do it i was humiliated and embarrassed so i went back the next day <laughs> good for you i went back the next day and they're yeah. like oh you should be a teacher and yeah i'm like no not, who are you talking to me yeah you know and they're like no you can do it well i did it i really did it i've been teaching for um like eight years now and i found that the the breathing and movement and the fitness and everything that i do in yoga combined with the the Buddhist meditation, you know, practices yeah. that I've been doing, that stuff fits so nicely and smoothly with my yeah. recovery. You know, uh, so I, mem I mentioned that we did a couple of uh, meditations in the workshop, and um, which were great, by the way. And But one of the things that stood out for me that I really felt was, I think at the end, you had us take a really, really, really deep breath as far as we could go and to like press it hard and then blow it out hard and that felt i haven't done that in a while i don't know if i've done it that consciously yeah. of it um and it felt really really good yeah. like releasing some kind of yeah some energy i don't know what but it, it is it, yeah it it felt great it is and well it's actually see some some people blow and push but basically what you do is you inhale really deeply and we can do it for your listeners right yeah. now you Let's guys do it. you can do this don't do it while you're driving but you can do <laughs> yeah, this bad idea you can do this anytime you want you can reset but yeah. take a super nice deep inhale fill it up really really deep and expand your lungs inhale fill up fill up fill up and then open your mouth and just let go relax and then pause empty so the idea is you fill up and you really grasp you really hold on like i'm not letting go yeah and then you let go but you know, you know what I just remember too, because you just said it again, was the pause empty. I thought that was an important part of it too. It's a huge it connect, part of it. It connected something it connects when I felt something. it. Yeah. What it is does. that? I don't know. Yeah. What you, is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is that? You know, I don't know what that is. I mean, I think in neuroscience, there are ways of, of trying to discover it. It's, a, it's, it's something in, in, in meditation or in, in really, really early psychology called uh, the relaxation response. There was a book by that. I just spent time with a Tibetan master named Tenzin Wangyal up in Pasadena. I did a, a few days workshop with him. He's a Tibetan master. And he had us do that thing too, like relax into open spacious awareness. The more you relax, the more you release tension and the easier it is for you to, from a Buddhist perspective, yeah. the easier it is for you to understand or experience your true nature or your Buddha nature or who you really are. Yeah or your real spiritual self or your deep soul, however way works best for you to describe yeah. it. Yeah. But it's a sense of coming together with that and it's it's actually a really advanced, really sophisticated practice, yeah. but it's super simple. I learned that practice originally from uh, another Tibetan teacher um, about eight or nine years ago and a combination from another Tibetan teacher a few years ago. So I kind of brought all these things together and I do it in my yoga class in a way that helps everybody just learn that you can instantly reset. If you let go and just go and pause empty yeah. and rest in the emptiness, you're 
in a state of non-clinging, not attachment, oh, got it, yeah. non-desperation. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. And relaxation just completely resets your mind. And if you're really getting into your spirituality around it, you're getting into touch with your own inner Buddha. Yeah. Well, I've noticed how much silence is important. Mm. Um, and I don't get enough of it, I think. And I think part of it is probably because um, I'm just busy all the time. You know, there's always something going on with, uh, you know, life and work and kids and um, really have to make a conscious e effort to get that silence in. But when I do get it, it like I, I do feel uh, refreshed, almost uh, almost at a new uh, a new start, even in the moment. And it doesn't have to be something for me that I have to do. I love to do it first thing in the morning. OK, I, like I try I try to do prayer meditation, try to get sometimes that doesn't always work out. And I used to what would happen is then I would go through the day and go, oh, well, I kind of screwed that up. So I guess I missed that that day. Well, no, I can kind of stop at any point in the day. Right. Even if it's just like a simple breath like we just did. Right. Um, and kind of draw that back in. So, I mean, I, I'm learning. I'm learning like anybody well, I, every that's day. That's important you know? thing. I had there was an old AA guy, uh, Jim B, who used to say. You can restart your day anytime you want. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I never knew what that meant, but you can kind of <laughs> just take a deep breath and let it go. Yeah, let it go. And I used to be like, because I'm sort of a perfectionist, you know, and it's like, well, if I can't meditate on my cushion in my house at that time, I didn't do it and I ruined it for the day. Yeah. And then I can shame myself about yeah. Beat not myself being able to up. do it. Right. And it's like, well, I don't, you yeah. know, and that's part of the, you know, it's part of the addict trauma. Yeah. That shame core. So let's talk about compassionate recovery a little yeah. bit. Um, you started this program. You mentioned you've been working on it for a couple of years now. Um, you're really in the stages of implementing it, right, into yeah. uh, different treatment centers. Um, what does that look like? And, and I know I like how you laid it out in the uh, in in your uh, talk too, where you had a slide. Oh, they're just announcing too. See, we're wrapping up here today, so it's, uh, we got a lot of uh, commotion going on in the background. Everyone's breaking their booths down and stuff, but. Um, in, in the in the workshop you had a slide and it had all these different things on it and then you said okay now let me show you really how simple this actually is right. so how, how, right. how did you simplify that I thought that was a great great way to look at it well um, there are a couple of slides that I did that one of them was the uh, the spectrum of a, what I call the spectrum of addiction so you've got attachment which is basically what the Buddha would talk about as uh, clinging grasping sure. You have a feeling, you want to do something about the feeling, so you start obsessing about the thing you're going to do, let's call it a drug of choice perhaps, a relationship, texting, whatever your thing is, yeah. whatever you're doing to distract, and then you do the thing, and you have the satisfaction from doing the thing, and then you have the regret from doing the thing, and then you got those feelings, which leads to wanting to get out of it again more yeah. craving more grasping more action so it's a cycle could that even be an attachment as in at one point in my life let's say i had a lot of um, financial success or i had a really solid way of living and now that's changed in my life and all of a sudden i'm still attached to that old time and it's sure. causing suffering yeah. and pain yeah. and anger and all that stuff too that's exactly what we're talking about okay and from um from the perspective of uh of buddha um, you basically would learn to meditate for a really long time before you became aware of the, from the gross to the subtle, like the monks, you know, they give up their life, they give up their identity, they shave their head, they wear a robe, they yeah. have a begging bowl. My friend's a, a super Theravadan in, uh, 
in Thailand and she says, you know, the monks talk about even like as they're as they're taking a as they're taking a bite of food, they're starting to get into their grasping and they're and they have to and the training is when you go take that bite of rice that that you feel attached to, if you feel yourself obsessing and grasping, you put it down and you don't eat for a whole day. Really? It's like a level of rigorous training to like renounce attachment. And there are other ways of looking at it from different Buddhists and yeah. other traditions. But yeah, so the idea is that attachment attachment is the root of suffering from a Buddhist perspective. Yeah. And it's also the root of addiction. So attachment or addiction rather is attachment gone wild. Yeah. But what if you're just hungry? I know that's kind of a dumb question, but what if you're just hungry? You know, you want to eat. Yeah. So that but that's where that kind of comes in like I'm so I'm hungry, but I'm What's the perspective on it? What's the attitude of it? Is it an attitude of fluidity or an attitude of tension? Uh, is see, it an okay, attitude it. of desperation and clinging? Yeah. Or is it an attitude of grace? So it's all about how you approach it, basically, where, yeah. where that energy is coming from. Where the energy the Right. And then also, you know, how are you like, oh, you're the only one who knows. So in the deeper yeah. meditations, when you know these these people are, are committed to this for for their whole life, and in Buddhism we talk about it being many lives, you know, to be a practitioner to, to clear those obscurations or defilements as they're called, you know. So most people aren't really ready for that level of like, oh, if I feel like I'm attached to my uh, to my pizza, I'm not going <laughs> to eat for a week, you know. That might be yeah. an eating disorder or something. I yeah. don't know, right? Yeah. But um, the the recovery approach and kind of applying a, a, the practice to recovery is looking at you know the more I'm aware and mindful of the process of attachment then the more informed conscious decision I can make about how I'm going to participate in it got it you know like and even in Buddhism we have this practice of Tonglen exchanging self for others you know where it's like you think and this is a practice that my teacher venerable Rubino would have us do you know you see that stinky old nasty homeless wino out on the street there and you just imagine going up to him and saying here's my keys here's my wallet here's my clothes here's my food here's my life i'm oh. going to take your life and even just thinking that way makes everybody cringe and if everybody's repulsed by that idea right but even just beginning to consider it as a step in the right direction to start to free the grasping yeah and then we have a more fluid approach, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's kind of a, I don't think I've framed it up like that before because you're get, you're giving. I mean, I guess it's yeah. an act of, of giving too. You're, you're letting exchanging go. Exchanging yourself yeah. for the benefit of another. Yeah. And even they do the practices of breathing in the suffering of another and breathing it out, you know? So, so was that the scale that you had on the slide was suffering, um, Small, medium, large, or I can't remember. Well, it was attachment. It was attachment. 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 Kind of like um, low, medium, high. Yeah. You kind know, like there are low, attachments medium, high, right? that aren't that big of a deal to you. Yeah. You know, like I can take it or leave it. Really, not just saying that I really can take it or leave it. Like yeah. if I go to that whatever baseball game or watch that show or something. Yeah. And then there's the high one. It's like no, it's Game of Thrones and yeah. it's season eight. And I'm going to like kill you if you get in my yeah. way. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's not, that's not really a, um, that's not really a, uh, uh, addiction really. Yeah. Could be, I guess, yeah. in certain ways. If you're like, 
pasting your walls with posters and you never stop talking about Game of Thrones and you dress like the character 24-7 you can't have a job because you show up dressed like the or whatever. Yeah. It could be an addiction. Yeah. But anyways, it's kind of like a high level of attachment. So if we look at attachment, low, medium, and high, and look at how that's the beginning of a continuum, and then you look at addiction, early, middle, late, and what happens oh, okay. from first use all the way to really blowing out all your circuits. So what, what about if we talk about attachment in the relationship aspect and, and the loss of somebody that yeah. is close? Like I know yeah. you, you had mentioned, um, and uh, I apologize, I can't remember his name now. Oh, it's Toby. Uh, I Toby. About. Yeah. yeah, Toby. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you recently lost somebody that, um, you know, that you were friends with. And um, a lot of us have experienced that. I think you even posed the question there. How many of us have lost somebody uh, to, to addiction or just lost in general? Yeah. How do you deal with that and that healing part? Well, I wrote this book called The Yoga of Letting Go in the Summer. It's just ebook right now. It's not on paper, but I really looked in deeply into what it means to let go. And, you know, coming from that recovery perspective where they say, you know, turn it over, let go and let God, you know, what do I, what do I really, what can I really do? How does that actually work? You know, yeah. I never really did get a good explanation on it. So I, I got a, a lot of a research on uh, grief and loss and uh, what I found out is that when you're dealing with loss um, of someone you have your own unique process you have your own unique experience and relationship to that person and the best thing that anybody can do for anybody else who experiences a loss is not to say those things to him like well it was his time or God wanted him, so he had to come home, or anything like that. Or yeah. you don't have to feel that way. Here, let's go. Let's go get some ice cream. Or yeah. here, have a beer, man, or have a drink, or yeah. something like. Don't don't alter what you're experiencing. Yeah. So we did the self-compassion practice. When part of compassionate recovery is utilizing practices from any system, whether it's a therapeutic model or a Buddhist or a yoga or a Christian or any kind of model, right? Whatever is helpful and useful. One of the things we did in the self-compassion practice is that we just come into touch with where we're experiencing that sense of grief. Like I had one a couple days ago, like this person, you know, I was real close to, they're not in my life anymore and they better stay out of my life. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. I still feel a sense, I still feel a hole there. I still feel lost there. So I said to myself, well, where do you feel it? And I've got my hand there right now. That's where I feel it, right in my chest. And I went, oh, this is suffering. Ooh, man, how can I embody that? How can I, how can I host that? How can I just be present for that? Yeah. It's, I'm not going to ever really get over that loss. Parents who've lost a child, there are certain things, you know, you can't tell someone, oh, you'll get over it. Yeah. I can't tell myself I got to superimpose this paradigm of loss or you're going through these five stages and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it's a unique experience for you. Have self-compassion for your experience. And allow yourself to just be that you know what you are suffering. There is a loss there. And then when you stop resisting it and you stop trying to force it and you allow yourself to feel it, then the process of healing can begin. Yeah. Where, where's a good place for, uh, for somebody who um, doesn't have a lot of experience in mindfulness, meditation? Where's a good place for them to start just to really simplify it? Well... I've been trying to do this kind of work for a long time with people and I've sent people so many different places like go to the Zen center, go to the, come to this Tibetan teaching where the teacher goes for 16 hours straight into the middle of the night. And you know, a lot of people just can't 
you know, can't sit still and this kind of thing. Yeah. So what I'm doing with Compassionate Recovery is on the, if you go to CompassionateRecovery.net, there's uh, some meeting guides up there and there's some recorded meditations on some really simple things like mindfulness, loving kindness, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And you can just read the meeting guide, press play on your iPhone or you know Android, play the recording, do a little sharing. It's all laid out right there. It's nice. super simple and super easy. And in the Compassionate Recovery book and program, it's gonna be all laid out super simple so that you understand the reasons why we feel like it's un it's uncomfortable to sit still in our bodies. You know, for a lot of people, it's not so easy to be present in the body, especially yeah. if you have a trauma history, which we talked about. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, it, I, I find it hard to sit still. Like, even, like we went down to uh, uh, to the beach yesterday. Be yeah. Beautiful. You know, went on a walk, and I, it's hard to relax. And maybe that's because I'm working and stuff here too. I got a lot on my mind. So it's a little bit different aspect versus if I was just straight on vacation, I think it'd probably be a little bit easier. But even so, whether it's beach or at home, it is hard to turn that brain off. It's, and I heard, I heard Noah say that before, and I don't know if he is the, I'm sure he's not the first one to ever say it, but he's the first one I heard say it was about turning, or, or the, the mind has a mind of its own. Oh, so sure, it's yeah. constantly just going, and yeah. it, it's, it, it is, it's tough and, to turn and, it and on. And it's not gonna, and that's the kind of the first mistake of meditation, is trying to turn it off. And you're not supposed to, right? I'm supposed to let it that's, Pass? that's that, that's that sort of hosting the experience idea, right? Got it. I'm going to be present to watch my mind that has a mind of its own. I'm going to be present yeah. to watch myself experiencing this grief or loss or this craving for a drink or drug or fix or pill yeah. or uh, anger or whatever it is. And as I'm able to be compassionate, like, Ooh, you know what? That's a really tough problem. They tell me to let go. I can't fucking let go. Yeah, they tell me yeah. to let go and let God, I, I can't do it. That's suffering. And guess what? When I say, okay, man, may you be at peace to myself. Wow, that's suffering that you're going through. I'm not the only one who experiences this, finding mm -hmm. that common that humanity, good. you know? Yeah. That helps us to just be present to the suffering rather than resisting it. You know yeah. what they say, whatever we resist persists. Well, that, that, you, you mentioned that down, downstairs, too, about realizing that I'm not the only one going to this. So, for instance, somebody out there who may have experienced the loss of a loved one, you're not the only one out there going through the loss of a loved one right now. Now, obviously, that doesn't fix it right in the moment, I'm sure, but at least that general idea is that supposed to provide a little bit of comfort there, a little bit of compassion for self and what you're going through. Does that make sense? It does. And the thing is, is it's sort of like learning you're not really going to end the suffering. You're not really going to end the thoughts. You're not really going to end yeah. grief and loss because like the Buddha said, you know, birth, sickness, old age, death, this is the infinite cycle that we're all in. You're not really going to end it. So somehow giving it space, somehow giving yeah. yourself space and letting go of like that crack in the whip on yourself that you should be better. You should be different. Yeah. You should be sober long enough to go through this or should be man enough or whatever yeah. your toxic shame is. Were, were you, know? you or, or are you your own worst enemy? Would you say that about yourself? Um, um, I would say that my internal self critic yeah. and my shame core is probably the most dangerous enemy that there is because it gets me even when I'm sleeping. It gets mm. me as soon as I start doing good. Yeah. 
when things are going great, like they say in AA, the only thing worse for an alcoholic than bad luck is good luck. <laughs> I know, right? You it's know true. what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I just got everything I wanted and um, I don't deserve it. Yeah. I know I'm, deeply inside myself that they find out who I am. They're going to kick yeah. me out of here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm a fraud. I'm a, I'm a I'm, piece of shit. I'm uh, not that, good enough. The imposter the syndrome. Yeah, the imposter. You know? That's what it is. Yeah. And, and, yep. and everybody goes through it. So guess what? Hey, everybody goes through it. I'm not alone. Huh. I can share That's about good. it with you. Yeah. I can do a, go to a recovery meeting or a support group or friends or family or compassionate recovery meeting where we're going to be talking about these things openly. There's no faux pas in compassionate recovery. There's no, like you have to be Buddhist or you have to be Christian or you can kind of work with whatever you're experiencing using whatever tool works for you and find a little bit of common ground and a little bit of support. And it's like, you know, like I had this dog and I love the dog. You know, and I went through a bad marriage and the marriage fell apart and the dog died. And then I had the other dog died. And when the second dog died, man, I was like, like, I could not function. Right. And I went to the Humane Society grief and loss group for the pets, you know, and I had to watch the cat lady with her 15 <laughs> pictures of all the cats she had that died. She goes to the support group every week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. But yeah, there was something about me saying here was my pet and here's my loss and me crying in that moment and the other people looking at me with compassion, I wasn't alone. Yeah, I only had to go once. I'm not going to go every week. You know what I mean? But that common humanity, that understanding that I'm not the only one experiencing this. Yeah. And like we have said in 12 step forever, you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. You would, uh, you would said, uh, one of the ways to get involved is uh, is you could start your own meetings. Yeah, I mean we have listeners all over the place. Yeah, um, where how would someone go about that if they were interested in finding out a little bit about more about the program? Um, yeah, starting a meeting, looking into meetings, where they host meetings. There's, there's a couple like? couple things we can do right now. I've got a couple of meeting guides which are based on uh, based on but altered from meeting guide that I created about uh, 11 years ago in Portland. And I have a, a, a format up there, but I also have a what is compassionate recovery, what it is, and kind of like you have an, an NA, mm. you know, who is an addict kind of stuff. So you have a couple sure. of readings. So you go to compassionaterecovery.net. You can download a meeting guide or you can just pull it up on your phone. All you need is another person to have a meeting. You can have a meeting anywhere. You can get a few people together. Um, yeah. You have recorded meditations. You've got some of those you know, basic introductions. And then I'm building uh, a couple of other things. The book will be out next spring. The 10-year anniversary of the 12-step Buddhist will be out in the fall where we talk about some of this in more detail. But the website, CompassionateRecovery.net, is going to be a resource center for a lot of different types of treatment modalities, different things that you can connect with and, and get involved in, different types of meeting guides to host different types of meetings. So you can grab that. All you basically need is another person and a smartphone, and you can listen to the meditation. Yeah. You can do a little sharing, and it works really nicely. It's the kind of format that, like I said, has been working for a long time. Yeah. It's different than a typical AA format because there's no identification as a particular addict. You can be anybody from anything. You can identify or not identify. Yeah. You can be someone who's doing harm reduction, who's on buprenorphine or suboxone. Got We're it. not going to judge you. You can have an eating disorder or a sex addiction. We're not going to judge you. It's open and inclusive and universal. You can talk about whatever faith you want, but you're not preaching, obviously. Yeah. You know, there are some guidelines. 
And you don't have to only have a resentment and a cup of coffee, right? Right. You can have an open heart and a willingness to connect with another human being. There you go. And the other thing I'm going to be doing is very soon at CompassionateRecovery.net, I'm going to have an intro video on how to start a meeting. And then I can do Skype sessions with people. I can can help host a meeting. I can do trainings. And the other thing is I'm going to have peer-led skills training. So we're going to have like Mindfulness 101. We're going to have probably five different... Uh, classes that you would take like a couple hours each to a few hours each you get certified in that and you do a little test show me that you know how to do it then I'm gonna say boom you got a compassionate recovery uh, mindfulness badge you're gonna go be able to do a group you're not a guru you're not a teacher you're not a therapist you're just a peer practitioner who's doing some healing and you know a little bit about it and then we're gonna have clinician oriented trainings too so treatment centers who, you know, the clinicians need to know about the neuroscience and just the, yeah. the research behind all these practices and then the deeper, more sophisticated levels of skill that are required, integrating that with some of their, their treatments that they're already doing so that you can go to a facility. My hope is that within a couple of years, you can go to a compassionate recovery certified treatment center, learn some practices and principles from the peers, from the clinicians there, and go to meetings in your community that are dialed in exactly what you learned. It's not like when you go to a, do a Hazelden first three steps in your treatment center and you get to AA and they go, those weren't the steps. Those aren't our steps. Yeah, it's Start over. It's a totally yeah. different mentality. You know? yeah. Well, that's your paid therapist. That's your paid sponsor. You know, they have like a resentment against science in, in AA or a resentment against alternate things because what's been working works. Well, guess what? It doesn't work for millions of people and a lot of yeah. people die because they couldn't do it. They couldn't approach the trauma they couldn't approach the healing you know so let's just use all the tools we can and get together with some basic guidelines yeah. and try to help each other yeah that's good man i like that anyway i've kind of tried to keep that um you know platform open on this show too right with that mentality that like one thing that works for somebody doesn't work for the next person and vice versa you know we're all different uh we all have different preferences um, and uh, I've, I've tried I've tried a lot of different things. I mean, a lot of different of the programs, and I've found pieces of them that work for me best, and um, that's kind of the way I like to approach it, at least at this time in my recovery and that, life. And, and so. that's the cool thing about this, too, is that, you know, recovery really can be open, and it really can be uh, an adventure. Yeah, And I'm totally. going to develop this website to the point where you can kind of create your own schedule and your different practices that you want to do and then you can check in get some accountability do some journaling and this kind of thing you might have an app for your smartphone where you can kind of collaborate with other people around the world that are doing that so you're going to have the compassion track for three months or the yoga track or the mindfulness track or the fitness track you're going to like try these different things and then see how it works for you so that as you go you're exposed to a lot more things than you would be normally yeah and you can find that right, that combination that works for you and then understanding that it may only work for you for a certain period of time. But when you, if you hit a wall later on, like we talked about, you've know, you got six, eight, 10 years sobriety and you fall into the funnel. Yeah. You're not going to just hear the same old rhetoric like, oh, go work another four step, go help a newcomer, you know? No, you're yeah. going to say, hey, hold on. I did, I did X, Y, Z and now I want to try ABC. Yeah. And you're going to have support of other people and, and the clinical uh, support. That's a big part too, is the support community, people around, um, you know, that you can bounce ideas off, build right. you up, be there, right. positivity, right. that vibe, getting on that wave. 
Uh, man, I know you're tired. I'm tired too. I appreciate you taking some time yeah, right okay. after that, Darren, man. It was really good to meet you. Um, one more time, where can folks reach out to you, find you if they want more information or if they want to holler at you? Uh, in, in you, you can always email me at Darren B as in boy, little John, D-A-R-R-E-N-L-I-T-T-L-E-J-O-H-N at gmail.com. You can sign up at compassionaterecovery.net for that one. And of course, the 12stepbuddhist.com is still there. Yeah, and man. that 10 year anniversary edition is coming out and I'm going to be doing retreats and workshops on that kind of stuff as well. So, cool. yeah, just reach out. I'm happy to help in any way and uh, see what I can do to, to kind of, you know, bring a little bit more healing and, and, and ease the suffering a little bit. Good stuff, man. I appreciate you, Darren. Thank you. Uh, check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Connect with us on Instagram at Real That Sober Guy, at Shane Raymer on Twitter. Uh, man, last podcast of the uh, of the of the uh, conference here today. So once again, I appreciate you guys tuning in, and supporting the show. Uh, big thanks to Foundations once again for having us out at uh, Innovations in Recovery in 2019. Um, man, much love to you guys too. Thank you for supporting, for interacting. Uh, stay sober out there. Keep it up. Make sure you're uh, getting involved, giving back, uh, joining the community, and having some fun. Most importantly, love you guys. Peace, love, and respect. And keep your love. Keep my head on straight I've been trying To keep my head on straight You still say that I don't know Anything about you Oh, I don't know anything about you But I know what you do in the back room Say that I don't know anything about you Oh, I don't know anything about you But I know what you do in the back